podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Zoe. And I'm Lizzie. And how are you today, Zoe? I am tired. Uh, I did manage to give my notice at my job. However, I still have to work out my two weeks, which means working this past weekend, which was some holiday or something. I don't know. Anyways. um, Perhaps. It was, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, it was super busy and it was so busy. Like, Oh my gosh. Ugh. Like, unreal. And um, so that sucked. And we were also understaffed. So it was very stressful. And I am tired and my feet hurt. But hopefully it'll be less. That means that the rest of my time working there will be less stressful. So that's good. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what's happening. Great. Uh, How about you? How are you doing? Um, I'm doing literally nothing with my time because I'm like in between finishing my degree and finding a job. So I literally do nothing with my day, which is great. Yeah. Um, I might go to Ikea at some point and that's it. Are you going to get a couch? I mean, I don't have my apartment yet. Oh, I get your joke now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I won't be getting a couch. Maybe some candles. Ooh. Um, (laughs) anyway... Uh, yeah, that's what's going yeah. on in my life. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we begin with our podcast with our lady today, we want to give a special shout out to TikTok user Bastard Froggy, who mentioned us in multiple videos talking about listening to our podcast at the gym and then talking about us in a video about podcast recommendations. So that was super exciting to see someone we don't know talking about us, like, Yes. Out of the blue. It was super, it was, it was great. It was super cool. It was very exciting for us. <laughs> it was really exciting. Um, so yeah, thank you so much uh, for that shout out. I'm um, really glad you enjoyed the podcast. Yes. And um, to be honest, we're still like a pretty small podcast. So all the, you know, word of mouth really helps us. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell all your friends. Tell yeah. your friends. <laughs> tell your followers. Exactly. Yeah. Help us out. Us- if you yeah. enjoy the podcast. <laughs> if you enjoy us, l- let them know. Yeah. Yes. So, Zoe, today's your episode. Who are we talking yeah. about? All right. So today we are going to be talking about Grendel's mother from oh! the epic poem Beowulf. That is exciting. Yes. I, was, I didn't see that coming, honestly. Really? Yes. I'm ex- really excited about this one. So do you know anything about Grendel's mother? I have read Beowulf. I read okay. it in high school. Do I remember anything about it? Like, not really. Okay. So, no. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm going to go over it anyway because, like, I'm sure there are people listening who have not read it. So, yeah. So, first of all, Beowulf is an old English epic poem of 3,182 lines, which honestly is kind of short for an epic poem, but um, I digress. Uh and it describes the exploits of a hero of the Geats, or sometimes known as the Goths, um, named Beowulf, and he defeats several monsters and becomes a king. 
So the first monster is Grendel, who is besieging a mead hall called Heorat under the control of King Hrothgar. Where does this and take place? So it takes so that takes place in Denmark. Oh. And it's and Beowulf lives in like Sweden, basically. That's where his kingdom is. Oh. So he basically travels across the ocean from Sweden to Denmark to like defeat this monster and make a name for himself. And so yeah, the first monster is Grendel, and then We'll get into the other monster. And then there's also a dragon, which we're not really going to talk about. But anyways. That's pretty fun. Yeah. So the creation of Beowulf is shrouded in mystery. It's not known exactly when it was written. And that's actually hotly debated by scholars, you know. And it's unknown who wrote it. So the author is generally referred to as the Beowulf poet. The manuscripts dated between 975 and 1025. However, it's not super well preserved. Like, it was damaged in a fire in 1731, and there are places where there are holes and letters missing. And wow. there's like, yeah, so there are like places where literally people just don't know what the word is and they just kind of guess, which is fun. And there's debates over whether or not it's like, um, you know, written down oral tradition story or not. Um, Probably it is. I would say, as my very expert opinion, most epic stories are based in oral tradition. So um, That's who true. knows how old it actually is. And it wasn't translated until the 1800s. And for a while after it was translated, people were like pretty underwhelmed by the poem as a whole. They were kind of like, that's it. Like, wow. that, that's the poem. Like, okay. I feel like I thought it's- that it had been like passed down from then, like continuously. Yeah, was no, it, just, it just, like, like stumbled upon or it was literally like forgotten. It was like in the back of like some library or pr- private collection or something until someone found it and was like, hey, this might be cool. And then wow. someone translated it. Yeah. And then people were like, this is lame until the 1900s <laughs> when um, a little known English professor named J.R.R. Tolkien did a massive presentation on how it was a great work of English literature and the English epic that everyone wanted. And now it's super critically revered and everyone studies it and it's got a ton of cultural influence and yeah. So we have Tolkien to I had to no idea that, that Tolkien yeah. had anything to do with Beowulf. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Tolkien loves old English stuff. That's um, true. Yeah. So he also talked about, as part of his um, presentation, I actually think it was the focus of his presentation, the monsters of the story and what they represent, except he left out a notable exception. Was it Grendel's mother? It was Grendel's mother. So, in the story of Beowulf, Grendel's mother is the second monster Beowulf kills in the poem after her son Grendel. As I said before, Beowulf kills Grendel by ripping his arm off and displaying it triumphantly, and the entire hall celebrates because Grendel's literally been besieging the hall for years and, like, killing hundreds of men, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, thank god he's dead. Like, oh my gosh. So it's, like, a huge deal. And... This display, though, enrages Grendel's mother, and she comes out of, like, the, the fen, like, swampy, watery area surrounding the castle and comes at night when everyone's, like, sleep or passed out and captures and kills Asherah, who is Hrothgar, the king's most loyal and devoted fighter. And so Beowulf tracks her to her lair, which is under a massive lake, and descends into the water to fight her. And when he fights her in this, like, giant underwater cave, um, she prevails at first because Beowulf's sword hunting does not hurt her. However, he sees a sword hanging on the wall of her lair, and it's one that's made for fighting giants, and he's able to seize it and kill her. 
Her blood is hot and it melts the blade of the sword until only the hilt remains. And then Beowulf returns triumphantly to his men on the surface nine hours later with the sword hilt and also Grendel's head, which he cut off at that point. And that's really it. That's what we're in the story. What's your question? What kind of monster are Grendel and his mother? That's, that's a good question. I'm going to talk about that. Oh. But first... Do you have any other preliminary thoughts about her story? Um, my main thought was that I really remember nothing from Beowulf, which I literally <laughs> did read it. But this was, who even knows how long ago, like yeah. nine, ten years. Um, wow. What I do remember from Beowulf is that I had a debate with my friend about what gender Grendel was, because I thought that Grendel was a woman. Oh, that's But really I think I was just wrong. <laughs> Well, that's a fun idea, but uh, <laughs> I think scholars generally recognize Grendel as ma- a, ma- a male creature. I feel like I googled it and I said sometimes it, sometimes it was unclear, but um, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not an old English scholar. If there are any old English scholars listening to this podcast, um, let us know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, that's not that much to go off of, but um, I do yeah. think it's quite a cool statement of her to be like, you guys are, like, celebrating the death of my son. That's, like, so cool. And then she, like, takes her revenge. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we've talked a lot about women's grief and how it can be very powerful on this podcast. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned that many times, so I always really like that theme. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's cool that her blood melts the sword. Yeah. That is such a cool detail. That's a cool trick, honestly. Yeah. Absolutely. Like... What, you know those insects that, are, like, if you try to eat them, they'll kill you? You mean, like, just a poisonous insect? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that. It's like a defense mechanism. It's like, if you yeah. kill me, like, you know, you're not yeah. going to just get nothing out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know? You'll get scarred as well, you know? Exactly. Like, it's a really you're, neat trick. If you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like the text she's found in... Grendel's mother is one shrouded in mystery and scholarly debate. Mm-hmm. And so is she only as you... like a couple of scenes or Did Yeah, so that's really the section. Yeah, so she comes out after Grendel dies, kills that one guy, Ashera, and then goes back into the like the swamp or the lake basically and then everyone wakes up and is like, "Oh my gosh, like it's not over." And <laughs> Beowulf um and also Ashera is the most like loyal and devoted. He's like Hrothgar's right hand man, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's really upset. And so Beowulf's like, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'll go and kill her too." And so he goes into like the lake, and then he kills her, and then that's that's pretty much it. I just think it's a cool like statement of her to be like, "You thought this was over, yeah, but I'm gonna take my revenge on you now." Absolutely, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. So one of the really interesting things that you actually alluded to is we don't really know what she looks like or what she's meant to look like, um, or her son, Grendel. So Grendel is said to be descended from Cain, who is known as the biblical first murderer of his brother Abel. And so that implies some humanoid appearance. However, her monstrous depiction also implies the image of something beyond human. So art sh- depicting her shows a wide variety of interpretations of her I- appearance. There's some where she's like complete, literally just looks like a woman. And there's some where she's like kind of reptilian or scaly, you know, like because she comes out of the water. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So yeah, we like really, there's not really a ton of description of what Grendel or his mother look like. But it's, they are said to be descended from Cain. So it's like, are they human? Do they look human? Are they like demonic human? You know. Are they half? Yeah. It's unclear. 
but it's it's fun. I think it is kind of fun. I also think it's fun with the detail that like not every single word of Beowulf has actually been like figured out. So <laughs> oh like yeah. You, so it's like you never know. Maybe it was actually written somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't even know when it was written. Like when it was written. Yeah. Like we have a vague time period, but it's like people debate. They're like, well, these types of ships described weren't invented in this time, so it couldn't have been writ- written here or something like that. And then they're like, well, we don't know if these are actually the ships that are being described here, so maybe it could have been written that time. You know, it's like, kind of cool that there's so much mystery around it. Yeah. So there's also much debate over the language used to describe her in the original text. She is described using the term edis, which means lady. So that implies that Grendel's mother is a woman of noble status. The term is also a cognate for the name Edisi, which refers to the Valkyries in the old High German text, the Merseburg Incantations, and also the Deeser, who are Norse spirits of fate. Some scholars believe that Grendel's mother directly references figures from Norse mythology, such as the Valkyries, and also Gefjon, who is an early Norse goddess known mm-hmm. for turning her... Do you know her? I just know the name vaguely, but... Continue yeah. your sentence because I didn't know yeah, the rest okay. of it. <laughs> yeah, so basically what she's known for is she turned her sons into oxen and plowed the Danish island of Zealand. So basically what she oh. did was she plowed the land between like the island and the rest of the country so deep that it was filled by the sea and it became an island. Okay. So that's what she did. Um, and so she's... So that's like, she's associated with Gefjan, and she's also considered to be an extension of Frigg or Freya. Mm-hmm. Um, Frigg is like a goddess of motherhood, fertility, and Freya is a goddess of fertility and war in Norse mythology. I mean, it makes sense that they would be like, if the, she would be compared to Norse figures, because it takes place in Scandinavia. Yeah. And but it, it was like in Old English, so it was It probably... is, yeah. So it's an Anglo-Saxon text, but like... The Anglo-Saxons were invaded by the Vikings. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of cultural influence there, for sure. Um, and, like, this this text, like, I'm not going to talk about this a ton, but there's a ton of tension between, like, Christianity and older religions and older mm-hmm. stories and stuff. And, like, the Beowulf poets, like, trying to straddle the line between the two and find an ending that makes everyone happy or, like, make, like, the, you know, the Christian ending, but kind of goes back to, like, the older, like, pagan endings mm-hmm. at the end. So yeah, this is interesting because they're like, those are all like mother or fertility figures and she's a mother, as we know. Mm -hmm. And also Gethion's story of straddling the line between land and sea could be reflected in Grendel's mother's amphibious nature. She comes ashore, but she also lives underwater, so. That is interesting. But you know who else lived in a lake? The lady. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, that's interesting. But she was able to live on another lake because it was, like, not a real lake, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, she was, was like magical. F- yeah, it was, like, the fairy world or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting, though, because... So she could, know, like, not of... be a swamp figure. She could be anything. Yeah. Or she could be a swamp figure. Mm-hmm. She could be. So another term used referred to is a glaikweef. So in his 1922 translation, scholar Frederick Kleber translated this to mean wretch or monster of a woman. So most oh. translations of Beowulf have followed this translation, including Seamus Haney's translation of Monstrous Hellbride, Richard M. Trask's Ugly Troll Lady, and Charles W. Kennedy's Monstrous Hag. Monstrous Hellbride. She is yeah. so cool. Yeah, Seamus like, Haney is great. I really like that phrase, Monstrous mm-hmm. Hellbride. That is just yeah. a ton of fun. Yeah. However, 
1961 essay, The Use of the Term Eglaika in Beowulf at Lines 893 and 2592, Doreen M.E. Gillum notes that the term is simply used to refer to inhuman and supernatural qualities alongside hostility towards other creatures. So, in fact, the term is also used to refer to Beowulf and the legendary Germanic hero Sigmund in the poem. So, so like, the monstrous Halbride didn't necessarily denote not being human. So it just, it wasn't, like, a word specifically to refer to, like, a monstrous woman. It just refers to, like, someone with, like, these supernatural hostile qualities. Okay. So it's not necessarily, like, a positive thing. But what's notable for me, I think, and what's what we're going to talk about in a bit, is that it's, the term is also referred to, used to refer to Beowulf and also Sigmund, who's this really famous, um, Germanic hero, um, but of in the that ring cycle. way, it's more like positive. It's not. I think it's less about whether or not it's negative or positive. It's just that its connotations are used in both contexts. Okay. Yeah. So Gillum suggests that Beowulf, the champion of men against monsters, is al- almost inhuman himself. Mm-hmm. And then later in 1979, scholar Sherman Kuhn suggested that Frederick Kleber mistranslated Egleka and proposed that the term should be translated as a fighter, valiant warrior, dangerous opponent, one who struggles fiercely instead. When discussing how the term is used interchangeably to refer to both Beowulf and Grendel, he says, if the poet and his audience felt the word to have two meanings, monster and hero, the ambiguity would be troublesome, but if by Agleka they understood a fighter, the ambiguity would be of little consequence, for the battle was destined for both Beowulf and Grendel, and both were fierce fighters. Therefore, Grendel's mother was an Eglekwif, a female warrior. There is no reason to introduce the idea of monstrosity or of misery here. Then there is in line 1519, when she is called Merwif, defined simply as water woman or woman of the mare. So basically, like, first of all, he's saying it should be just translated as a fighter, someone who's fighting. So it's like Beowulf is a fighter. Grendel's mother is a fighter. Grendel's a fighter. They're all fighting each other. Like, this poem is about fights between... Beowulf and other creatures, other beings. And he's basically saying that, like, you know, if the poet, if the word has two meanings, like, the ambiguity would be, like, weird between referring to Beowulf and Grendel's mother as, like, the same term. But if it just means someone who's, like, a fighter, it's like, yeah, they're both fighters. They're fighting each other. Yeah. And so the idea is, like, it's not necessarily, we're not, there's no reason to stress that it's a negative thing in your translation. Um, when it's kind of irrelevant yeah it's just kind of a descriptor it's not like oh my gosh this horrible this horrible monster you know like Mm -hmm. yeah and eric stanley adds to this by saying as we assemble the many forces using compounds it becomes clear that is not pejorative in force we must not follow claver's distinction of wretch monster demon fiend for beowulf's enemies and warrior hero for beowulf himself and we must not abuse grendel's mother when she is called a by translating the word as claver does wretch or monster of a woman you must never forget that she is called the Edis Aglequif, and Edis Lady is not a term of abuse. The poet does not speak of his monsters abusively. So, yeah. I mean, I also think that it's really fun calling her a monstrous hellbride, but I, I do see the Okay. Point. Yes, okay. Sorry sorry to break your heart there, Liz. <laughs> but you can still read all the translations that call her that. They still exist. I mean, it's probably for the best that she's not being, uh, mm-hmm. people aren't criticizing her. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. But also, well, I do think it's a bit fun. Yeah, I mean, it is fun. She's a mytho lady. She is a mytho lady through and through. 
So what do we do with all this? Why did I just read a bunch of quotes from scholarly debates about the use of language in well, I enjoyed old English it. and boo? I know. I mean, I know you would enjoy it. <laughs> you know. So basically, I think this plays a really important point in the analysis, which I got from um, my class on epics I took this year where we read Beowulf and my professor talked a lot about Grendel's mother. And so basically all the monsters in Beowulf, as Tolkien argues, are symbolic. They represent a greater force um, in society than just like, oh, a demon that's coming in and like killing a bunch of men and eating them. Like there's something more to it, which like makes sense. I think Mm -hmm. most people who are interested in literary analysis understand that monsters are allegorical. Yeah. Um, But anyway, (laughs) so Grendel and his mother are representative of what's wrong with humanity. They're both humanoid, so they're meant to be as closely associated with humans. So Grendel, as analyzed by Tolkien, represents tribal hatred between humans, the force that causes incessant warfare between different groups as they try to conquer each other and prove themselves as superior to other. So we have the Anglo-Saxons fighting the Gaths, fighting the Danes, fighting etc, etc, always fighting each other. Like this time period when the poem was probably written, constant state of warfare in between different groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these groups are separate from each other and justify this violence by the idea that anyone who's not them is deserves to be hated and conquered. And again, leads to a cycle of constant violence in this time period between different kingdoms and leaders, and the poet condemns this. However, as stated before, Tolkien does not analyze Grendel's mother in his great presentation on Beowulf. Why? He hated women. Probably that too. That was a little rhetorical, but I gave you a chance to respond anyway, just in case. I mean, I do think he was kind of a misogynist, but anyway. He was, I mean, he was a misogynist. I mean, he also created, like, some female... He was a misogynist. He's okay. This isn't the time for me to discuss <laughs> the female characters of Lord of the Rings. Um, anyways. <laughs> okay. As the language debate shows, Grendel's mother might reveal some uncomfortable truths about Beowulf as a protagonist and hero. But first, a brief interlude... So after Beowulf slays Grendel's mother, he returns to the Gaats and is heartily welcomed by his beloved uncle, Hialak, who is the king of the Gaats. Then 50 years later, we sort of do a time jump. Beowulf is now king of the Gaats. But what happened to Hialak? So a flashback reveals that Hialak was killed in a raid on Frankish territory and Beowulf ended up watching the entire massacre helpless to stop it. Ah. Enraged, yeah. Enraged and grieving, he immediately hunted down and killed De Graven, the Frankish champion and potentially his uncle's murderer. Most significantly, he kills him by strangling him with his bare hands as he killed Grendel with his bare hands. Now, why is this significant? Grendel's mother does not attack like Grendel does, as I've said before. So Grendel, like, massacres the entire hall when he attacks. He kills and eats every man in sight without mercy. Like, if you're there, you're dead. Like, everyone's gone. But his mother only kidnaps and kills one man, Asherah. And so what's significant about him? He's Hrothgar's most loyal and devoted fighter. His right hand oh. arm man. His everything. <laughs> his... <laughs> I do have that in my notes. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> Anyways. He's the person she knows Hrothgar will miss the most. And that's why she kills him. So Grendel's mother is not attacking out of bloodlust, out of mindless hatred or rage and hunger. She's attacking in a calculated way to hurt Trothgar and his men and family exactly how she has been hurt by having her son taken away from her. Exactly. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
And so she kills in a way that is identical to how people in the society killed at the time, an eye for an eye, vengeance, and blood price. Mm-hmm. And I've discussed this in the Icelandic sagas episodes, and it's basically a pretty similar society. As I said, there was a lot of, you know, cultural influence. I mean, the mm-hmm. Vikings conquered um, England and uh, multiple times and stuff. Basically, your family is your wealth. And if someone kills one of your family, particularly a son, they're basically taking away a family member, but also like resources from you. And you're Mm -hmm. expected and encouraged to pay the murderer back in kind as a reparation for the harm caused to your family or otherwise receive some form of monetary compensation. Yeah. So basically there's this expectation um, and encouragement that if someone in your family dies, there's this culture of revenge that's like, you need to repay that violence. You need to pay Mm -hmm. it back. Um, And that's like the way you can like get, repayment for the harm that's been caused to you and your family mm-hmm. so grundle's mother is frightening because she represents the monstrousness of the social order at the time the idea that violence is so normalized and cyclical and that society encourages the violence to continue yeah that's very interesting yeah and i have a line from uh beowulf where um this happens right after um Ashera is taken by grundle's mother and Beowulf is, like, encouraged to go um, and kill her. And the poet says, "'Twas no happy arrangement in both of the quarters to barter and purchase with lives of their friends." And so the poet's basically saying, like, this system sucks. Like, don't stop. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... And then it continues after with uh, his uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a different... Yes, yeah, he does the same thing. Um, so the poet is condemning the system of order through the character of Grendel's mother, who is taking revenge for her son being lost to her by taking um, the king's, like, you know, right-hand man and Plus, trying actually, to... she doesn't kill, like, everyone. Like, she could... Yeah. Like, instead of killing, you know, the king, yeah, she's... she chooses one individual person, but also yeah. not, like, a whole array of people, just one person. Yeah, yeah she's taking exactly what's owed her. Yeah. Through, like, the blood feud system. Yeah, like you said, it's and not she, just fueled yeah. by, like, you know, evil, like, bloodlust. Like, it's very yeah. specific. It's very calculated. It's mm-hmm. very specific to the order. And um, it's also, like, she has a very solid understanding of the order of the, yes. of the castle and how it works. And it shows how Beowulf enforces the system himself by killing Grendel's mother, sort of in revenge for Ashera's murder. And then also killing his uncle's murderer or the person he blames for his uncle's death mm-hmm. in repayment. And so, and, and in that moment, he has, like, the same rage and fury and grief that Grendel's mother experiences mm-hmm. when she when her son dies, when his, his uncle dies, and he goes to commit that murder. So him and Grendel's mother are not opposite, but different sides of the same coin. They're both... Agaleka. And Grendel's mother shows ultimately what's at the core of human rage and grief, which is love. So yeah, that is Grendel's mother. Love to he- any thoughts? No, I think it's cool the way that it shows like this like cycle of revenge could go on literally mm-hmm. forever because if somebody yeah. you kill someone, somebody takes their revenge for that, yeah. takes their revenge for that, death, you know, etc. etc. Yeah. It just keeps going. Mm-hmm. So that commentary is very interesting, and it's also interesting that like we know like all this commentary, but we know like literally nothing about the author. Like, yeah, you know, the ideas live on, but the man does not. 
Yes. And, I mean, it would Uh probably lend itself to the interpretation if we knew literally anything about the context it's written in. But, Mm -hmm. oh well. But, yeah, yeah, she's very cool. I actually don't remember her at all from having read Beowulf. But, in fairness, I remember nothing from Beowulf. Mm -hmm. So, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, and I also think it's cool that she – because I was, like, thinking of her as, like, a swamp monster. But she was actually, Uh like, probably human or, like – more yeah than that and i think that's really interesting and i think that also makes like the imagining beowulf's battle with her a lot more interesting and compelling to imagine Mm -hmm. and beowulf's battle with grendel too is if you think of them as human like it becomes very a sort of different image in your head i think Mm -hmm. as opposed to like this giant creepy monster that is generally what illustrators do with it like i read this really um, abbreviated translation of Beowulf back when I was a freshman in high school and I had illustrations. They were the, like these big like bog mo- monsters that look kind of like Jabba the Hutt from Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, look, didn't look anything like they were human, but the whole point of the poem is that they do look human. I mean, not the whole point, but like yeah. their characters, uh, that's a big part of their characters. That's yeah, like they're not, human. like they go along with the whole humanity like lesson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think it's, like, I really do find it interesting that the poet created a female figure to demonstrate this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this condemnation of revenge. Because, like, most of the time in this society, it wasn't, women weren't doing that. Like, women weren't the ones murdering for That's revenge. That's true. Like, that just was like, a manly yeah. pursuit. Which, yeah, which we, like, talk about, again, in the um, Icelandic Saga episodes, especially mm-hmm. in Guthrun's episode. Mm-hmm. Um but, like, so it's very interesting that he chooses a woman, and it's also interesting that I think he chooses chooses a mother. And I think that, I mean, also I'm using he, him pronouns for, for the poet, and, like, we don't know. That's I mean, so it probably, true. It probably was, like, some monk somewhere, but, like, we don't know. Anyways. Yes, yeah, who's to say? Who's to say? Anyways. But, yeah, like, I think it really shows that, the I think, the love thing, because, again, this poet is Christian, and... Obviously, one of the big forces in Christianity is Mary's love and Mm. mother's love and all that stuff. And so depicting uh, a mother figure as, like, this force of violence and revenge and anger is, I think, very powerful and also really just shows how, like, this is about love. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, she's hurting people. She's hurting someone and she's, like you know, committing murder, but she is also experiencing grief and anger and sadness. It's because she loved her son. Even, even, even Grendel has a mother who... Anyway, yeah, it kind of anyway. humanizes Grendel. Yeah, we like, should have done this one someone... Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Anyways. Yeah. But yeah, it shows that, like, Grendel has someone who cares about him, even if he is, like, a big villain. Yeah. And, like, even if you are, like, even if you, like, terrorize tons of people someone's mm-hmm. still gonna grieve for you yeah grief is very subjective absolutely because people were like celebrating his death and then she's like well no that's my son and she's like yeah that's my son you're parading around his arm like a trophy like that's not yeah, cool exactly and then she, again like so obviously again i've said that she exists to like critique the system but then also like we have her being condemned for participating in the system that already exists, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. 
it's really um it's interesting because like we see beowulf participating in the system and i guess i mean he i'm not yes beowulf dies at the end it's not a spoiler it's 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 been like a thousand years (laughs) yeah okay no i'm gonna say that yeah (laughs) beowulf does die at the end uh so but i don't know if that's necessarily um as repayment for him doing revenge for his everyone dies death. yeah then again i don't know i don't know i, I don't i haven't read the context in which he dies so i have no idea he dies in the dragon fight oh wow does the dragon yeah. die the dragon also dies everyone dies yeah but anyways there you go yeah. it's all about violence i think that i think cyclical. the dragon yeah cyclical violence that's what he said it's bad and the yes. cycle of violence exactly that's what this is all about and love is powerful and grief is powerful and Grendel's mother's cool. Yes, that's exactly what it's about. Also, I just find it so funny that Tolkien like was like, I'm gonna tell you all about how great Beowulf is and just like ignored like a, a significant like a, a section of it. Like I guess that is a pretty short fight compared to the Grendel or But it's the still dragon. significant. He's like there's three monsters and he just like doesn't talk about one of them. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that's Grendel's mother. I thought she was very cool. Thank you. So thank you, Zoe, for teaching us about Grendel's mother. <laughs> and thank you for listening. Um, please feel free to subscribe, listen to other episodes, uh, leave a review. And we will see you again in two weeks. And tell all your friends. Tell, tell everyone that you like us. <laughs> Alrighty. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you. May the Ladies Podcast is produced, researched, and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenniger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythaLadies and visit us on our website at MythaLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks.